Hey, this is Shama. Welcome to the Man Mukti Podcast, where we speak up about South Asian mental health. We're here to connect you with mental health professionals and those with lived experiences of mental illness. I know. I know. I'm in pain. Cali, man. This ain't always the right journey. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, where we at, man? I know. How's she at? On today's episode, we have Akilesh Manal. Aki and I went to college together, and one of my favorite memories from that time actually includes him. But it took me six years to know that he and I were both struggling with mental illness during those four years. Why is it that we chose to mask our truths and not confide in our peers, or those that we considered our friends? Listen in as we discuss the importance of talking about mental One of the reasons that I was excited to have this conversation with you, um, you know, someone had originally told me to talk to you about mental health just because they thought that it would be a good idea and that we could talk about it. But what I thought was interesting is when you and I saw each other back in June, after a really long time, after our friend's wedding, and um, we, you know, spent four years in college together and, like, we're around the same people and we're friends and we never realized that we both were going through our own battle with mental illness. And I had mentioned this back at the wedding too, that one of my favorite nights in college was the night that we stayed in at your apartment and we drank wine and like played video games all night. And even though we have that moment and we had all this time together, we never really saw the mental illness side of it, which, you know, we can, we had talked about this as well, but that our coping mechanisms work to kind of mask how we were feeling. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that whole process and like hiding mental illness from friends and family and putting on a mask for the world and also your own struggle with mental illness and how you figured out uh, that you had anxiety and that, that, that being masked by your depression and kind of how you've dealt with that. So um, why don't you give us a little bit of backstory of, like your background as far as uh, the line of work that you're in, where you're from, and that jazz. Yeah, um, so I um, am from, from Canton, Michigan. Um, you know, I went to Michigan State, obviously, with you. And I currently live in Minneapolis, uh, and I work in uh, politics doing uh, campaigns. So... You know, there's always an election, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so it's you know cycle to cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but yeah, you know, like you're saying, there's there's so many opportunities that we had to connect on something that was like such a large part of both of our lives, or so many of people's lives. But you know, in this specific situation, mm-hmm. um, and it took like seven more years of maturing and like two friends getting married to bring us together to talk about this subject (laughs) (laughs) you know um and it just like really goes to show how how easy it is to to put on that mask um like you're saying Mm -hmm. you know we we talked a little bit about um at the wedding we talked about how i've written this piece for a tunnel of oppression back when we were in college which Mm -hmm. was which was a show or you know a, a theater put on where you would kind of go through and there'd be different monologues and dialogues um, about different uh, 
issues of social justice or issues of stigma. Um, and, and I got to write this piece uh, because, you know, if our friend uh, Zane was, was the guy who ran it, um, and I wrote this piece called My Smile. It's about, you know, like getting up every morning and putting on the smile and like the effort that it took to pretend like everything was okay and and make other people comfortable. Right? And yeah. like we talk about like that the key of the mask is not for the person who's going through the struggle, but it's for the people all around them. Mm-hmm. Because that person through their own experiences in their youth feel that they can't explicitly be themselves you know Mm -hmm. and i think it like really starts that young yeah yeah and i think you bring up a good point um it it, a lot of times because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have or there's a stigma around it which is you know essentially part of the reason why we never really had this conversation in college that you're doing it to make people feel more comfortable because people and i understand this part is people don't necessarily know what to say to somebody I don't know if there's a formula for what you're supposed to say in these situations. It's like anything else. Like, you know, if someone's friend, um, if they have a death in the family, you know, what do you say to that person? Because nothing is really going to, there's no magic sentence, you know, in that scenario. So, right. in, in that scenario is so interesting because it's like, if all of us think that our, you know, small condolence or our, our effort will be will add to what tips that scale of like making them feel better but like we all know the only thing that ever healed anything is the time and reflection you know and and coming to grips with what's actually happened did you in when we were in college did you ever talk to your other peers or other classmates about uh your mental health um not a ton you know there were a few people who uh, with, with whom I would talk about it, um, you know, like like uh, you know, a friend of ours who, her and I had known each other since we were like twelve, so like, you know, we talked about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because like, yeah, I still like I, one of my majors was psych, you know, psychology, and then, like I took abnormal psych, you know, a horrible name for that class. <laughs> You know, which is about um, mental and, and, and psychological disorders, mm-hmm. um, and and it's like so interesting to like read about it at an academic level um, and like be going through it and still not really accept that that's you. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, yeah like. It, because it's it's easy to identify, and this is again with a lot of situations, it's so easy to identify that, you know, a friend comes up to you and they say, I'm having this, this, and this problem. And you can, you can like take that information and identify it as um, anxiety or depression or an eating disorder or whatever it is. But then when those tables are turned and you're the subject of that, it's really hard to self-identify as something that's wrong. You know, it's, it's different with you then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying like people should like go diagnose themselves but yeah no no the, the concept of like being able to reconcile mm-hmm. what is what is going on with you versus what's going on with somebody else is yeah it, 
it's so much easier to do it for somebody else. It's so much easier to be objective with somebody else mm-hmm. when we're not so you know deeply identified with the individual. And it's and that's why it's so hard sometimes to, to recognize it with love because we're so you know deeply identified that that it almost blinds us from from being a little objective. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I wanted to touch on that we spoke about is how different people um, people's symptoms of mental illness show when, and how they cope with it. So when you and I were speaking about it, you know, my experience was a lot different than yours and the way that I coped and you coped were very, very different. And yeah, I kind of wanted to touch true. on that um, because it's not going to be a cookie cutter scenario. So, you know, if your experience doesn't sound like everybody else's, it doesn't mean that it's not the, it's not like as a big of a deal or anything like that. It just means that you're just a different person. So uh, talk about like, yeah. how you coped and, and yeah. how you dealt with it. It's amazing because like you're saying, like I was almost the exact opposite mm-hmm. um, because I, I coped by holding, like kind of like, like pushing through everything and then just like really decompressing and not spending time and like really avoiding it right like, like I, we were, everybody you know was calling her like oh we should go to the bars and we'd be like no we should not do that <laughs> yeah. um you know which is like not an uncommon thing but it was just like my way of like not over myself and I didn't want to do because like mm-hmm. everyday life is already the shit I didn't want to do because you know like yeah um so like the stuff that was for me over the top was like, it was just like pure avoidance. Like, I just wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I never gave anyone a great reason on the fact that, like, oh, I don't like it or I don't like people or like, you know, there's something, <laughs> something, yeah. something to shove it away to not actually address why when, when people were like genuinely asking me why I didn't want to spend time with them, you know? Right. And then, like, um, you know, would, it's hard I, to say, like, it's not you, it's, me that sounds like a line but right right and that's like how do you quantify that right and like you know like there were times like we would i would have these conversations with somebody like after we all went out like you know sitting in one of the stairwells Mm -hmm. heart to heart To get involved, speak up, connect with us on all things social media, and visit us at manmukti.org. Let's get back to the show. Hey, okay, maybe this will be better. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, wow, you're like a thousand times clearer, too. Yeah, good old Wi-Fi. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, Um, so saying that, like, sometimes, you know, we would have these one-off conversations with people, or I would have these one-off conversations with people about what was actually going on, or, like, what they were going through, um, and, like, you know, really connecting or having a heart-to-heart, like you said, um, but they weren't necessarily something that we would acknowledge, or they weren't necessarily something that would, that would continue, um, you know, it was just like a drunken conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that it didn't have an impact on, on all the people involved. Um, and so like, 
the way to normalize that, you know, is a solution. Is 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 a solution. But I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you know we're getting better at that as a as a whole because the internet is all about positivity and self love and mental yeah. health, and which is which is great. Uh, I think that we need that right now. Yeah, and like, and, and, and younger, and people are understanding it younger and younger, like, mm-hmm. you know, we, um, before I worked in politics, I worked for a nonprofit that, that did youth leadership, um, and like, high school kids are so much more informed than we were, you know, and it's, and it's fantastic, it's, like, because these things have to become okay at that age, because that's when all these kids start going through it. It's middle school and high school, mm-hmm. right? And, like, the people who feel that it's kind of caused them a larger trauma, a lot of it is is reflected from from that not accepting oneself or not feeling accepted by others. Yeah. You know, as a young person. Yeah, and that can definitely kind of kickstart um, something in your head. And, like, the interesting thing about mental illness is it doesn't discriminate against you know, popularity or beauty standards or income levels or race. So it, I think people are becoming more aware of that as well, which is making it easier. Um, And, you know, from what, again, what you were saying is like our school, I didn't even know this because like, even if you need the help, that service is really difficult to find. And, you know, I thought originally that you got two free counseling appointments through the university, but you were saying that, you know, you could get a full semester. Um, yeah, that's I. Th- that's what I. I thought. Um, or f- that's what I think I was doing. Because <laughs> 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 um, I, in my, I don't think I started paying. I believe I did start paying for it at a point, but it was like after a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like that. Those services when people need them, especially when you get to college, like you know, a yeah. lot of that stuff to get you there. And it's, it, it's like what you know. We need to have that service like in our face sometimes, so right. we know that it's even an option for us. And the and the other thing is that like during the school year they get super overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. And so like I was lucky because the first time I went in was before school year started. It was during the summer, so I was set up with somebody before the big rush when they had to start turning people away like they do every year. You know. So, so like yeah, it's like great services exist, but right, they need to be. Yeah, be more more available. They need to be uh, better advertised, and and people need to understand and be okay with, with with using them. Yeah, because they're so important. Like taking care of oneself, one one's mental health is mm-hmm. is one of the most important things a person can do. Yeah, you know, if it's remedying that with medication, or if it's learning how to handle your bad days, or I'll make yeah. sure that you, you have to learn to how to get those tools and use them so that yeah. you can get up in the morning and you know, get shit done. Right. Yeah, like like the first time I started taking meds and we talked about this, you know, uh, you know, a month or so ago, whatever too, it was it was a game changer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What is happening? Yeah. You can you can experience this level of energy to your desire to do something. Right. You know, like oh, yeah. I can care about things, you know, and it's, <laughs> I can feel things again. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's so, so wild. Funny. Like 
the stigma behind taking medication, yeah. like, you know, forget about even just having the disease, but then also taking medication, like, that's a whole other, you know, playing field then. But then yeah. when you start to take it, like you said, you get to this baseline and you wake up. Like, I remember starting to wake up happy in the morning and confused. Like, why do I feel good? Like, yeah. did something happen to make me feel this way? Like, what is going on? Totally. And, like, and like the first person that, like, I explicitly talked about medicine with was um, was our friend Kush was telling me, like, one, meds really cheap. Like, so don't worry about that. Yeah. And, like, and two, don't think that it's unnatural because it's the exact opposite of that. And and I, and, and I don't remember, like, explicitly remember this entire conversation, but I remember, like, sitting down and talking about it with him and being like, okay. And it, like, really opened my mind up to that because, you know, we've talked about a lot and you mentioned the stigma around taking medicine is, is enormous. And, and especially among South Asian people who are at a higher, are significantly more educated than the, you know, median or average average person, right. and a significantly higher percentage work in medical professions. But, like, still there's a stigma around um, taking medication for mental health. And especially, like you said, it's, it's almost like it's okay if, you know, these non desi people do that and it's okay if they if they date or they do whatever X, Y, Z. But if it's our people, for some reason it's not okay. Or it's right. it's more of a taboo then. You know? Yeah, yeah, because there's a superiority complex. Yes. Yeah, and I right? don't think people talk about that enough because they don't yeah. want to label that as something. But there right. is. Cause, Cause like growing up we're all like you have to be better than all these mm-hmm. other ones. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, no, but like, 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 yeah, yeah. Because I mean, then there's also the stigma of, or not stigma, but you have to not only fit like this model. Mi- this is off on a tangent a little bit, but not only do you have to fill this model minority complex, but you also have to work harder because you're a person of color in this country. And right. Just because of that, you need to work harder to get farther in life. Yeah, you know, it's funny because in in, in my in my current work, we we talk about how the current way we aggregate data under Asian is, like, so unfair because mm. there's so much disparity among people who identify as Asian um, in this country, you know, and how, like, Desi people are on, like, one side of it um, while, like, people who are, are Hmong, there's a huge Hmong refugee population here in the Twin Cities, oh, wow. are on the other side of it and, and are often given... Like, less opportunity because they're identified as Asian when they tend to have such a great need, you know? Um, and, and so, so like the stigma goes, like we're saying, it's, it's so different for every individual and for every, for every culture in so many different ways. And I'm not, I don't know what the stigma is in any other Asian culture. Um, just saying that like the way that we perceive ourselves compared to, compared to another group or compared to, to an average is really influential on on like on a diaspora so um and then going back again kind of going back in this timeline to where you first figured out you were having trouble um, with mental illness and kind of talking to your parents about that and then eventually seeking therapy uh 
what were some of the first things that you noticed that you were like, okay, I think I need to maybe ask somebody for help? So it's interesting because there were a lot of times throughout growing up where I felt like I should go to therapy. And I don't know if I just didn't voice it enough or it was also another thing of the stigma, but I never felt like we followed through on that. And that's like, you know, high school. And then college, it was really easy to mask everything with, you know, drugs and alcohol. And you get kind of lost in the numbers because there's so many people. Right. Yep, and there's like so many new things and everything's kind of so exciting that like there's so much going on that it's easier to To distract yourself just yeah to distract yourself but it could also you know be easier or more overwhelming and and easier to hide um which is which is kind of where i ended up you know shifting after after my explicit indulgence (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) um what how did you first have a conversation with your parents about well, so this is the first time I ever talked with my dad about it. It actually goes back to high school and that story of um, the time where I, you know, tried to, to kill myself. Um, and it was a super feeble attempt uh, with, with moderate intention, I'd say. Um, but, but what had happened, you know, I'd been... I told a friend about it, um, and and that and that friend correctly went and told the counselor at school, um, and so I got called into a counselor office, um, and they probed me. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, because they they I mean they're doing their job properly. They don't want to be like we heard this thing about you. Yeah, that makes um, sense. You know. And and I and I and I, it took me a second, but I figured out what it was about, and I, and I like adamantly denied it. Of course. Um. And they called my dad. Um. And so like my dad came to the school, and I remember that I I, I had a swim meet that night because uh, I swam, and I remember being like, "Well, I I have to go. I have a swim meet." <laughs> and they were like, "No, you're not going to the swim meet today." <laughs> You're actually not going to be at school for the next couple of days, you know, because we want you to uh, talk to somebody. It's great. Um, they're really proactive about it. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good how they how they did it. There are a lot of things they could have done better. You know, they didn't, they didn't like follow up or anything. They just kind of made sure that you know, I came back to school a couple of days later. What else would you have changed? Um, like, or what do you I mean, think would have benefited? This you? goes into like what I think, like public schools need to have is more, you know, more social services wrapped in that, mm-hmm. because they're they should they should have explicitly connected me to somebody because like I didn't do that. Right. Um, I just kind of like hung low for a day or two and then went back to school and pretended like everything was fine again. Um. And so the first time I had that conversation was 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 after that that meeting with my counselor, my dad, and me. Um, my dad and I like went to a local Coney Island and like sat down, and like, and he did a really good job of trying to get me to talk about it. I just didn't, <laughs> right? Because you know, at that point, I practiced it for over a decade, you know, mm-hmm. or like, you know, 
seven, eight years on, on how to avoid that, that subject. Um, and then the next time I talked about it was after, you know, I started going to, to counseling and going to therapy, which wasn't until like my senior year of college. I mean, doesn't it, wearing that mask for so long, I'm like, sure, it's been addressed for a minute in comparison to how long you've been going through it. But coping without like medication or those services, you know, you get so good at faking it. But isn't it exhausting? Yeah, I think it is. And I remember, like, and I still, like, sometimes, but I remember always being, like, always tired. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a very, it's a very classic symptom of depression. But um, I think that's part of it, you know? Yeah, it's like literal exhaustion. It's like literal exhaustion of, like, working so hard mentally. You know, and be like, oh, you shouldn't be exhausted. You're 16, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think you understand what's happening yeah. here. And I think it's our parents, our parents can be very quick to being like, oh, you're, you're just lazy. Yeah, you're just lazy. You're just a teenager. Yeah. You know, you're just moody. You just need to go, you know, run or work out. And right. Right. Yep. I mean, which are all, like, good things that people should do. Yeah, I but, mean, that's, like, <laughs> by <okay>. no means can cure, <laughs> right. by no means can cure you, you know? It's, yeah. like. It's the equivalent of when my grandma would tell me to play basketball because it would make me taller. And I was like, grandma, that's not how it works. Oh my gosh, that's great. Um, yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, the difference between depression and anxiety. So I remember yeah. you saying that your depression really masked your anxiety and it kind of took a wake-up call for you to realize that you know, anxiety was also a part of your truth. So, can you tell our listeners a story about uh, your trip to Iceland and how yeah. that ended? <laughs> so, um, so, so the anxiety that has always been underneath, I think, exists as like nobody understands, and I'm in this alone, right? Mm-hmm. Of having depression. And, like, like you're saying, you know, constantly being on and being exhausted. You know, I think it really plays into that. Um, or, or at least, at least one of them spurs from the other. Okay. Yeah, the time when I absolutely knew that without question that I suffered from anxiety was when, and this is just just like a year ago, just over a year ago, I went to Iceland um, with a friend from college, and it was a great time. Iceland is a beautiful country. Um, if you if you haven't been to Iceland, I highly recommend it. <laughs> The air is so pure. It's, you can t- it, it feels different. They and, and 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 there are so many waterfalls that by the end of it, you're like, oh, another waterfall. <laughs> and 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 I say that because the first one, the one we landed, the first guy we met staying at our Airbnb who was finishing his trip told us that, and we're like, yeah, okay. And then by the end of it, we're like, oh, another waterfall. <laughs> um, but it's a gorgeous place. Um, and I was uh, I was on vacation from a campaign. But I had scheduled this week-long or 10-day vacation before I was a staff on this campaign. Um, and so, you know, my campaign was like, no, no, go. Like, you need a vacation. Go. Um, yeah. And so I did. <laughs> and while I was there, all I thought about was work. Um, 
which is like a, also another issue that I have being a workaholic, but that's a different thing. Um, but it got to the point where like, I was like, I need to go back to the airport right now and I need to get on a plane and I need to go back to, to Minneapolis and, and work again. And it's like super illogical, um, and extremely overwhelming. Um, you know, it was at the point where like, I, we like, I literally had my, my buddy was like, we got to drive to, to the airport, you know, and, and Iceland's not that big, but, um, you know, we had to drive a couple of hours to get back to, to the airport in Keflavik. Um, did you actually like buy a new ticket to go home? Yeah. So, so we get to the airport and I get on the internet and, and I mean, I don't have that kind of money. So I, so I call my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, so I need to buy a ticket to come home. And they're like, oh, is everything okay? Did you get in a fight with your friend? I'm like, no, I didn't get in a fight <laughs> with my friend. Um, like, I just, I need to come home. Um, I'm like, super, I'm super English, anxious. I need to come home. You know, I need to come home. Um, and we lugged and the ticket's like a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which probably just and adds was, to your anxiety. Though. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can stay three days or four days or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Um, and just take my, take my flight. I should just have fun. And I go, nope. And I go, nope, I have to buy the ticket. Um, you know, and that's that overwhelming force yeah. that, that pushes you to action. You know, I buy this thousand dollar ticket to come back, you know, like three or four days early from vacation. And I, and like, I'm anxious the whole way and I get back and like, I open my computer and I'm like, Oh, that's nice. You know, and it's like relief. That's like it was super unhealthy, and so I like immediately scheduled an appointment with my psychiatrist, and we started me on an anxiety med on top of my my depression meds that I'd been taking, Um, and that like really helped. Obviously, after the taper on, Um, it was it was not something I'd ever experienced before. I mean, nor is it anything, something I'd like to experience again, that level of, of like, overwhelming anxiety to the point where, like, you make decisions that you just don't want to. What are some things that you'd like to see change in our community as it pertains to the stigma or education of mental illness for South Asians or Daisies? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want young people to have conversations about it. I firmly believe that when, when young people are having conversations with themselves and, and, and even with the, with, with generations above them, there is an extent to which they can influence a lot. And we've seen this with our community with, you know, like homophobia, like South Asians were super homophobic until they met people and were like, oh, this is normal. And we're like, yeah, that's what we've been saying the whole time. <laughs> oh, you're not a monster. Okay. Yeah, right. And yeah. it's like, okay, now I'm fine with it. Yeah. And and like, and that's what it needs to be, right? Is that like, they need to be, people need to be pulled to, to acceptance by people that understand. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is through education. And the way to educate is through conversation. Like, you can't just like read a book. You can't just like go to class, you know. Because, like you're saying, like all these stories are personal and all these stories are different. Like my experience and your experience were were so different. 
like you have to understand how this person is coping. You have to understand this person, you know, and, and that takes effort and that takes stepping out of comfort zones. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, 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 and so where there's not willingness, we have to create willingness by, by, by being open, you know, adjacent to that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for, I know you are like mad busy right now. So, <laughs> and so <laughs> we have to talk about it. This is also like three years in the making that we really Right. I know. We've, the first time we talked about this was a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> we had, we had even like had the conversation that we were both going through this at the time. Yeah. We just had just like, like a Facebook yeah. message um, right. through our friend actually yeah. Whose wedding we were at. So, yeah. Uh, shout out to, to uh, and, Yeah, shout out to Kovaru. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I yeah, no, thanks you. so much. Thanks for. Hey guys, a big thanks to Callie for our music for today's episode. But if we could take a moment to ask for just a little bit more of your time and love to rate our podcast on iTunes or shoot us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, and if you want to continue the conversation, visit our website at nunlucky.org or connect with us on social media. We'll see you next time. Standing if you might not make much, but you're here for more than what they say. Stay woke. Even if they all choke, stay woke. Even if you lose hope, stay woke. Don't you give them that rope, because they know you could be much more. They know. So every time that I'm up here, you gon' feel all my depths And I ain't stopping till they say I'm the best huh. Cause I could've been nothing, could've faded away Imagine that though, I would not break So what you gotta say now? I can have it, I can grab it, it ain't mine, I can fly Ain't they tragic, ain't it backwards, what well, the fact is huh. If I let you kill my steam, lock me up, I'm never sane Brown faces never dream, but what if? If I set myself free and nothing came in between Can't you see what yeah, I be, huh? Just your thoughts, your reality is anything, you take no loss, they can't block you, take your shots and say, I put my whole heart, soul in this, this ain't just showmanship, this is, I did it on my own and shit, take a good look, this is ownership, but the onus is, all you to be great.